From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, ossifying lenses. It's not surprising that calcium and phosphate can actually cross the posterior capsule and precipitate on the posterior surface of the lens. First this. As seen from here reaches ophthalmologists in 98 countries, transfers more than half a terabit of podcasts every month, but the potential audience is much larger. Please tell your colleagues about this free resource, Flattening the Ophthalmic World. And while you're at it, let your residents and fellows know about Open Ophthalmology, a free basic science video podcast, already a force in ophthalmic education with 1,800 viewers watching 6,000 video lectures every month. Information wants to be free. Help me give it away. What anterior segment structure turns white with time? The lens. Now, what anterior segment structure turns white in the pseudophagic patient? The lens. Liliana Werner appeared on a scene from here in 2006 reporting calcifying hydrophilic acrylic intraocular lenses. She's back today to talk about calcifying silicone intraocular lenses in patients with asteroid hyalosis. We're going to be talking about dystrophic calcification of intraocular lenses. How does this appear clinically, and how common is it, Liliana? So actually, this is a problem we are we are observing mostly with uh, hydrophilic acrylic intraocular lenses since... Um, 99 pretty much and basically the optic component of the intraocular lens uh, gets to be white I mean there is an opacification of the optic component and this is due to deposits that you can observe on the surface of the optic component or sometimes even within the substance of the optic or even both so whenever you have uh, deposits on the surface of the of the optic, it's like you have a granularity that's covering the optic surface. And whenever you have deposits inside the substance of the lens, it's almost like the patient has like a nuclear cataract or something like that. And um, how common is it? That's a very difficult question because actually we can only comment on the lenses that were explanted and sent to us here in our laboratory for analysis. So, I mean, we had many, many cases analyzed. We analyzed maybe more than 300 hydrophilic acrylic lenses that were explanted because of that. But um, by checking with the manufacturers of the lenses involved in the problem, they stated that this is less than 1% of the lenses that were actually implanted. Histopathologically, what's going on when a lens calcifies? So the problem of dystrophic calcification is apparently multifactorial, and there are many unknown uh, points in this process, but ultimately what happens is that there is a deposit, a precipitation of calcium phosphate on the substance, uh, within the substance of the lens or on the surface of the lens. And uh, when you analyze these deposits by uh, techniques that can give you the elemental composition, that's usually what you find. You find calcium and phosphate. Aside from explantation, 
Are there any treatments for intraocular lens calcification? There is currently no other treatment, so uh, the lens has to be explanted if the opacification is already having an impact on the vision function of the patient. And I really think this question is very important because um, in 2007, we published a paper in ophthalmology about a misdiagnosis of calcification of some hydrophilic acrylic lenses. So there was an opacification and the ophthalmologist checked the eye and he made a diagnosis of, for example, posterior capsular pacification. So the eye underwent YAG laser, posterior capsulotomy, or he made a diagnosis of a vitreous involvement and the patient had vitrectomy done and all of these procedures were not necessary. And they were problematic because if you do a YAG laser posterior capsulotomy and ultimately you have to explant that intraocular lens, when you put another lens, if you have a capsular bag that's open, this is a whole more complicated procedure. And also in the cases where they did vitrect vitrectomy, some of the patients had complications like cystoid macular edema, retinal detachment, and even endophthalmitis. And these were due to totally unnecessary procedures. So um, the, the ophthalmologist has to know about this condition and uh, he has to know how to make the diagnosis based on a good slit, slit lamp examination. If the calcification is only on the lens surface, though, is it possible to yank the calcium off? From uh, hydrophilic acrylic lenses, we could demonstrate that actually you cannot remove the calcified deposits from the surface of these lenses. But in the case of the silicone lenses in the eyes with asteroid hyalosis, it is possible because these deposits are uh, just on the posterior surface of the lens and they are loosely attached. But the problem with that is in all the cases we analyzed is that uh, there is a reaccumulation of deposits after that because the calcium continues to come from the vitreous. So ultimately the lenses are explanted. Are there particular intraocular lenses that are more susceptible to calcification? When you talk about this trophic calcification, it's really uh, related to hydrophilic acrylic lenses. And actually, there were studies um, done by implanting different IOL materials in rabbits in the intramuscular environment or subcutaneous environment, you know, environments with a lot of blood supply, just to test the um, tendency for calcification. And really the hydrogel materials have a um, more important tendency to calcification. I'm not saying that all hydrophilic acrylic lenses calcify. I know of many designs of hydrophilic acrylic lenses that do not calcify or they are just sporadic cases in, in some complicated eyes. But if you compare all of the IOL materials, um, the hydrophilic acrylic lenses have the more tendency to calcify. Your study deals with calcification in the context of asteroid hyalosis. Can I get you to talk a little bit about the pathophysiology of asteroid hyalosis? <laughs> So this is a, a vitreous disease where you have these asteroid bodies. These are like um, brilliant particles that are within the vitreous. And apparently uh, the prevalence is at around 1%, but it's a bit more if you consider older patients. Over 75 years, you have a prevalence of at around 2%. 
these bodies, they're usually um, seen in a unilateral way, I mean, just in one eye. And usually they do not cause a problem in the vision of the patients, just in very rare cases. But, I mean, uh, the origin, the model formation, the composition of this is a little bit uh, not elucidated yet, but it is sure that the composition of these asteroid bodies, um, I mean, it's sure that they contain calcium and phosphate. Can I get you to describe the design of this study? So in this study that we published in ophthalmology, um, we basically are collecting all the cases of silicon intraocular lenses that were explanted because of sur surface deposits. And we first published on the problem of silicon calcification in eyes with asteroid hyalosis in 2004 and 2005. And since then, we are really paying a lot of attention to these cases. So we collected 16 new cases since then. And all of the lenses were analyzed in the lab, growth analysis, light microscopy, and also some histochemical stains and surface analysis to determine the elemental composition of the deposits on the lenses. And at the same time, we send uh, questionnaires to these explanting surgeons to ask about each case, especially to verify if the patients had asteroid hyalosis or not. And also, we wanted to know if um, asteroidialosis was observed in eyes with calcified hydrophilic acrylic lenses. So we checked in our database all the cases of calcified hydrophilic acrylic lenses that we had analyzed. And we also sent questionnaires or we checked our reports to see uh, what was the frequency of asteroid hyalosis in those cases. So that's basically what we did. And what did you find, Liliana? So what we found so far is that um, out of 16 new cases, already 13 cases um, had confirmed asteroid hyalosis in the eye. And the other three cases we cannot completely rule out because we just could not find the information in the chart of the patient. So maybe there was some subclinical form. I mean, we cannot completely rule out, but you can already see that the rate of asteroid hyalosis is very high. At the same time, in the group of hydrophilic acrylic lenses, we could not really find cases of asteroid hyalosis. And we checked, I think, more than 100 cases. So the rate was pretty much zero. So then we observed that it really, when the eye has asteroid hyalosis, the calcification is just observed in eyes with silicone lenses. Many of these patients had undergone YAG capsulotomy. Did these capsulotomies precede or follow the calcification? The question is actually very interesting because in the majority of the cases, what happened is that the ophthalmologist had a diagnosis of opacification, uh, pretty much posterior capsule opacification. So during the session of the YAG laser, they did the posterior capsulotomy, and then they observed these deposits on the posterior surface of the lens, and they could partially dust these deposits out of the posterior surface of the lens. But now you had then um, this um, open posterior capsule, so the vitreous was in direct contact 
with the posterior surface of the lens, and there was a reaccumulation, a very fast reaccumulation of the deposits after the YAG laser. But the deposits were pretty much present already um, during the YAG laser session. So it's clear that the YAG capsulotomy was not, let's say, the precipitating factor in calcification of the lens. Yes, it was not. The deposits were mostly present uh, already during that. How long after the initial implantation, the cataract surgery, did it take for the intraocular lenses to calcify? This is a really um, a real long-term complication, and in our series of 16 cases, the explantation because of that was performed in a mean of nine years, but um, the time of appearance of the opacification was shorter than that. So usually it takes two years or more for the deposits to start appearing. Most of the lenses that you presented in the study had plate haptics. Was the fact that these lenses had plate haptics a function of the era of when the cataract surgery was done, or is this a genuine susceptibility of this lens design? In the beginning, we thought that only the plate haptic lenses were calcifying in eyes with asteroid hyalosis. So if you observe in the literature, the first three papers published about this problem, they were all related to um, silicon plate lenses. And you know that they were manufactured with a silicon material of an earlier generation. You know, all silicon lenses are not manufactured from the same silicon material. There are different generations. But now we know that um, it's really not the case. I mean, we have already in our series at least eight designs of silicon lenses manufactured from at least five different silicon materials. So we do not believe anymore that they are more susceptible to this complication than other silicon lenses. Many of these patients had had cataract surgery performed in, in both eyes. What happened to the contralateral intraocular lens in these patients? So in this current paper, um, the asteroid hyalosis was pretty much unilateral. So there was nothing noted in the other IOL when the patients had cataract surgery in the other eye. However, we did publish in 2005 a very interesting case of a patient who had bilateral asteroid hyalosis. So in one eye, he had a silicon lens that calcified and had to be explanted and exchanged. And in the other eye, the patient was implanted with a hydrophobic acrylic lens that never calcified. So again, giving support to our theory that um, this calcification in asteroid asteroid hyalosis only happens with silicon lenses. Hmm. The presence of calcium on the posterior surface of the intraocular lens suggests that the calcium is not being presented to the intraocular lens by the aqueous. Is the calcium crossing the posterior capsule? Yes, we we thought about that, and um, when the ophthalmologists performed the posterior capsulotomy and they saw that the deposits were there, it became clear to us that that was the case. So we did a review in the literature on papers uh, related to studies on the barrier function of the posterior capsule. And actually we could observe in these papers that uh, it is a barrier to larger molecules something like lipids or proteins or things like that, but it's not surprising that calcium and phosphate can actually cross the posterior capsule and precipitate on the posterior uh, surface of the lens. 
Liliana, you've explained why calcification can happen for patients with silicone intraocular lenses in the context of asteroid hyalosis. But surely the majority of silicone lenses, silicone lenses implanted into patients with asteroid hyalosis have not calcified. Why? Well, that's a very good question, and it is not clear to us why this is happening. Because if you consider that you have silicone lenses available in the market since the 80s, and the prevalence of asteroid hyalosis is at around 1%, so probably millions of lenses were implanted, so many of them in eyes with asteroid hyalosis. And nowadays in the literature, you just have 22 cases described. So we really don't know. I mean, some possibilities, for example, is that this is being underreported. I mean, there is explantation being performed because of that, but this is not reported and this is not sent to labs for analysis. I mean, we can only describe the lenses that we analyze here at, um, at the Moranai Center. Another possibility is that um, there is some kind of subclinical form. I mean, there are some deposits on the, the surface, on the posterior surface of the silicone lenses, but they are not enough to cause a problem in the visual function of the patient, and therefore these lenses are just not being explanted. But we really do not know the, the complete answer to this question. If a patient presents for cataract surgery with asteroid hyalosis, would you advise that the patient have a hydrophobic acrylic lens put in? You know, nowadays with 22 cases in the literature and the possibility that this is being underreported, and so, I mean, um, it has to be considered that a silicone lens should not be placed in an eye with asteroid hyalosis. You know that there is an indication, a contraindication for silicone lenses in eyes where silicone oil is a possibility. So maybe in the future this is going to be a real contraindication. Right now the number of cases is really very small to formally contraindicate silicone lenses in asteroid hyalosis, but the surgeon certainly has to consider other materials in those eyes. I don't want to limit this to, okay, if you cannot put silicone lenses in eyes with asteroid hyalosis, you have to put a hydrophobic acrylic lens. I mean, I just don't want to limit this to a hydrophobic acrylic material. You can also put a hydrophilic acrylic or, because, I mean, this trophic calcification is not being related to asteroid hyalosis. As we showed in this paper, we analyzed 111 cases of dystrophic calcification of hydrophilic acrylic lenses, and we did not find asteroid hyalosis as a cause. So, I mean, I just want to highlight that the surgeon has to think about not putting a silicone lens in eyes with asteroid hyalosis, but you still have hydrophobic acrylic PMMA or hydrophilic acrylic as other materials which eventually would work in those cases. Liliana, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Liliana Werner is Associate Professor at the John A. Moran Eye Center at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City, Utah. Her paper, Calcification of Different Designs of Silicone Intraocular Lenses in Eyes with Asteroid Hyalosis, appears in the August 2010 issue of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Werner 
or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at jyoungmd at gmail.com. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.